Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets winding down their all-star break and bye week and getting set to return to action on Saturday night at Nationwide Arena against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to preview that game for you with Brian Engblom, who's the color analyst on TV for the Lightning. And also, Scott Burnside is going to join us to talk about what's going on in the NHL. But right now, first thing is first. So I bring in Jody Shelley. The first thing I have to say to you is... Happy birthday, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I know I love my birthday, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a heck of a day. I like the February 7th. Uh, is uh, It's been a good day. Lots of cake and food, and hey, the weather's been nice, too, so I'll take it. Yeah, that's that. It was nice that you ordered good weather and got it on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. And it's during the break, so you know, a little more relaxed. How was your break? Uh, it was good. I mean, you know, it's it's a different break when you have high school kids. My son's in the ninth grade, Owen, and my daughter's in the eighth grade, so Evelyn. And so it's a lot of traveling around uh, 270. Uh, actually going to Miami of Ohio for a couple games uh, on Sunday in between uh, Saturday's game and, what is it, Monday's travel. So be a lot going on. Uh, but it's just been, you know, probably like you, back and forth from everywhere. I did go do some NHL Network stuff. That was fun to get that in. But uh, ready to get back with this Blue Jackets team. Yeah, no question about that. We went up to northeastern Pennsylvania for a couple of days to see my son at college, and it, it was nice just to go somewhere, right? I mean, as you said, you got kids in high school, so you may not be going to the tropics like you did before. Right. I mean, <laughs> but, but it's good to do something. It is nice to, yeah. I mean, I was the only one in the family that got to do something, but uh, I do feel very guilty about that. But it was New Jersey to do work, so yeah, nice to nice to travel for a few days. Well, the break was also good for Boone Jenner, who played in the All Star festivities last weekend in Toronto. Played in that three on three tournament. They cut. It's called the All Star Game, but it's a series of games, right? And he got drafted by Connor McDavid to be on his team. That's not too shabby. He got to play on the ice with Connor McDavid. He got two goals in two games. And to me, this for Boone Jenner, I'm so glad that he got the opportunity because players of his kind don't always get a chance to be a part of big events like this, and especially in a three-on-three tournament. I mean, if when you're drafting those kind of teams or when you're deciding who's going to the All-Star game, uh, a guy that plays with the grit and tenacity of Boone Jenner, uh, you normally don't think about in the three-on-three. Look, for the Blue Jackets, he goes out and he takes a face-off. If he wins the face-off, he goes to the bench and somebody else comes over the boards. But he had the 12 goals before he got hurt, so uh, he got selected to go and represent the Blue Jackets. I don't think that uh, you could have picked a better guy to go. And after 11 years, he got the opportunity to be there. It was close to his hometown, as close as you can get. And I was thrilled for him. Yeah, me too. I mean, first of all, he breaks his jaw. And, and you look at the timeline, you think, can he go? So he, he made it. He made it to to be able to go and take the bubble off. I don't have to talk about that anymore. And and yeah, I mean, what a thrill for a guy we get to watch every day. The heart and soul of the Blue Jackets. A guy that plays and, and practices and carries himself 
true to a blue jacket and what what it means to be one and you know kind of an unsung hero a lot of nights and the roles that he plays and and the things that he does for the organization so for him to be able to go and be an all-star and you could see i watched his uh, instagram clips and saw him do some media stuff and to see him score a goal and be on that team with Connor mcdavid and and be around different people and and different superstars it's not only good for boone it's great for the columbus blue jackets because he represents us so well like everyone does when they go to the all-star game but you don't think all-star immediately when you think of boone jenner but you do now because he's been there with the best uh they got second of course austin matthews uh his team stole the show in toronto but what an experience for boone can't wait to catch up with him yeah 11 years in the league first time going to the all-star festivities uh a guy as you said he is a a do-it-all kind of guy and you couldn't pick a better representative and um you know it's look i think last year if he wouldn't have gotten hurt he had a really good chance and i think he would have gotten to 30 goals again for the second time in his career this year same thing if he doesn't miss all of those weeks and if he would have kept on scoring at even close to the pace that he was when he got hurt i think he's got a chance to get near that once again so he seems like he's getting better with age and again I'd say with age, but he's not an old guy. No, he's not. And we've seen him grow up here, you know, right in front of us. You know, you're right. He had a, he had a great pop in his career there. What was that, five years ago where he got all those goals, over 30 goals? and Or was it 30 exactly he got that year? I think it was 30 exactly that he got that You know, and, and you think, oh, wow, this, you know, there's a lot there with Boone Jenner. Then he's got to hold down the number one center spot. And, you know, for this Blue Jackets team, it's been one of those positions that, you know, it's been hard to nail that down. But Boone's been consistent in his effort. He compliments other players well uh he's a team that 30 he's a guy that 31 other teams would love to have and just to see how he's grown as a leader and as, as a person and now he's starting as a, a young family here in columbus so add all-star to the resume and you know just a it's it's rounding out to be a wonderful career for boone just needs to win a stanley cup here with the columbus blue jackets in the next uh, next little bit yeah, no question. Uh, yes, it was thirty exactly, and that. Do you believe that was two thousand fifteen, sixteen? Yeah, that was a heck of a year. Jeez. I mean, that was the that was a great year for for Boone, and, and the next year was the Blue Jackets with that winning streak uh, that was so impressive when they won sixteen in a row. And I bring that up because the Oilers just got theirs broken last night trying to beat Pittsburgh seventeen. They tied them, um, and I love what Rick Tockett said. He said, I don't, "And people say they they want their records to be broken." He says, I don't want our record to be broken. You know, he wants to hold it down from that early 90s Penguins team that he was a part of. But, you know, I think back to that just because I heard the quotes coming out of the locker room in Edmonton the other day about uh, we're not even talking about it. You know, we're just kind of showing up and playing hockey. And and they weren't sure how they were winning, but they were understanding that it was a great feeling. And I remember that with Torts and that 2016 team and the way the guys were just couldn't wait to get to the rink, couldn't wait to get home and start the next game the next day or the next few days. And that was a fun thing to be a part of. I remember walking into Washington. Unfortunately, it was the night that it got broken or it got snapped. Oh, yes. But I remember walking in there, and I was um, one of the last people off the bus, and I was walking behind Torts at the time. And we came into Washington, and, and you come in, and there's a lounge area, and then you take a turn down the hallway toward the dressing room. And as soon as he took the turn, he goes, Bobby, get up here. And I go, what? He goes, get up here. Get in front of me. And- for what? And I get in front of him, and I look, and there's like six cameras down the hallway, right? And I turned, I leaned over my shoulder, and I said, you got to be kidding me right now. Shut up and go. Uh, you know, that was... You were uh, the screen. Yeah, but that was such a, uh, it was, it was such a fun time. And, you know, we're talking about 
Boone when he got 30. I remember the next year we came to camp and I was, <laughs> I was interviewing Boone. I think it was day one. And, um, I was not ready to do an interview. I mean, I, you're rusty coming out of the summer, right? And nobody's asking questions. So I start asking Boone questions. And I remember asking him, can you do it again? And I forget what his answer was. All I remember was when the interview was over, <laughs> he looked at me and goes, tough questions day one, Bobby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I looked at him and I go, I'm rusty too, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what everybody wants to know. Yeah. You know, and that's the season of, a season of optimism there in, in camp when everyone's healthy and fresh and excited. And I thought that's a great question, Bob. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, my, my goodness. So it was great for Boone. Um, you know, the All-Stars, it's going to go away for a couple of years here. And I'm okay with that, quite honestly. Like, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the skills competition this year. Uh, that used to be must-watch TV for me. I was out of town. so And, of course, now you can find everything on Instagram or Twitter. It doesn't matter because you're, you're going to get all the good clips anyway. But um, they're going to do the Four Nations Tournament next year. Switzerland, Finland, uh, the U.S., and Canada going to play in a round-robin tournament. And then the year after that, the NHL is going back to the Olympics. I was... I was a little bit surprised by the Olympic thing because it's taken so long, and I thought maybe it was finally dead in the water, but it really seems to me like Marty Walsh taking over as the head of the Players Association. I mean, the, this is a guy, he was a former governor of Massachusetts. He was uh, head of the labor relations. Uh, he worked for uh, the U.S. government. He worked for the president, for crying out loud. This guy gets things done. And the players wanted to go back and they have now found found a path to get back there. It's the key. I mean, the key is the players wanting to get back. The pause in the world in 2020 was something that hit a lot of these different things that were options and, and moved them way back off the table. But the NHL is, is a global game, and they try all uh, all efforts are to make it count. I mean, they went to Australia this year uh, for, was that, preseason hockey. And, you know, the Los Angeles Kings and the Arizona Coyotes went down there and played and you know you're down there with hockey fans who are everywhere and the the olympics is special i mean those are moments that it's not just the hardcore hockey fans or the fringe hockey fans you're part of that that special event that happens every four years and the play some players miss their opportunity there are some players that have played in the league now who are going to miss their opportunity to go there uh you know will will the older players be available uh they're already talking about the goaltending for the u.s is so stacked with with uh you got ottinger uh who's incredible right now with the dallas stars um yeah you know and he's a big one of the big big name goaltenders in the national hockey league right now so he's an american goaltender and then you got demko out in vancouver who's another a goalie and i know i'm forgetting the third but it's three excellent goaltenders to start from and and i love these conversations because you know who's going to make team usa who's going to be left off team usa team canada switzerland for that four nations uh, tournament that'll be interesting as well so it elevates those countries that we see players scattered all around the national hockey league in another areas of hockey but it, it's a it, it it's a great platform and to go back to the, the All-Star game, too, which the NHL events, we had it here in 2015. It's a spectacle, and it's done so well. When the NHL lands on site like they did in Toronto, they, they the script was perfect, and they knocked it out of the park. So you got to love the momentum that they're creating from outdoor games, uh, global series, global games. Like last year, we were in Finland. We got to experience that. That was unique, and, and you get to see those fans and what it means to them uh, to get to the Olympics and, and relive stories from 
from uh, past Olympics and and see those players that won gold medals and you know see the players that won silver. <laughs> it's it's fun to hear the stories they never forget. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. You can change the events, and I think it's good to change the events sometimes. Oh quite yeah, frankly, because things. This is life. Things get stale. And you have to put a new spin on it. And if that means going away from the All-Star game and doing a Four Nations tournament, getting the Olympics in, coming back to an All-Star game at some point, that's fine. Because as you just said, what this league has proved is they know how to do big events. And they know how to do them differently. They know how to do them right. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of the National Hockey League. And if you, if any of the fans out there can ever get a chance, and we know we've seen a bunch on the road for Regular season games, we saw some fans in Finland. I know you saw fans in, in Sweden a few years ago when you went there. All-star games, the Blue Jackets fans traveled to Toronto this weekend, too. If you ever get a chance to go to an NHL event, you should go, because they make it so fan-friendly, interactive, and uh, how they set up. I mean, we had the we had the luge going down uh, Nationwide Boulevard. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a big impact play, and it's a, a spectacle, and it's spectacular for hockey fans absolutely it is and uh, makes you wonder when there might be another big event here in columbus oh yeah outdoor game huh maybe yeah there's there's rumors happen there are rumors so we'll see what we got to be on the list somewhere yep blue jackets getting set to take on the tampa bay lightning on saturday night at nationwide arena coming up we're going to talk with uh excuse me brian ingblom who is the TV analyst for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, he's a former Blue Jacket as well. But right now, I want to tell you the 2024-25 ticket plans are on sale. You can choose the games and the seats that you want. You can also score bonus ticket rewards, food and merchandise discounts, and incredible ticket savings. Learn more by going to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. You're listening to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, here on 97.1 The Fan. Wake up with the fan, eat lunch with the fan, go to bed with the fan, dream about the fan, then change your sheets. Gross. Ew, you guys are gross, but stick around in case I don't find anyone else. The fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. I'm Bob McElligot, along with Jody Shelley. The Blue Jackets back in action, coming out of the All-Star break and the bye week. On Saturday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning at Nationwide Arena. We haven't seen the Lightning for quite a while. So we bring in Brian Engblom, the TV analyst for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. And uh, how was your break? The break has been great, Bob. Um, I I needed it. I'm sure the players did too, but I needed it. I know that. Uh, I've enjoyed it. We actually still have a couple of days um, as far as the broadcast crew goes, I know the teams in New York uh, the next two nights, starting with the Rangers tonight, but the both national games. So I'm still home. I'm coming into Columbus on Friday night for the game Saturday. So, yeah, this was the longest break I can remember during the season that I've ever had, and uh, I'll take it. I, I was just going to ask you, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And as, uh, uh, you know, as you get more experience and spend more time in the league, do you like having a longer break? Well, it's the first time. I'll let you know when I get back. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the players, right? I mean, you you get rusty. You get rusty real quick. There's there's a rhythm to what we all do, right? And so, getting back on the horse, it'll be be interesting. I'm just doing some work here too, trying to get my mind wrapped around everything again and what's happening. So, uh, we'll see on Saturday. Well. 
you know, at least you get to spend your extra days in Florida. We actually have had some sun here in Columbus the last couple of days, and the, the temperature's been pretty good for here, but I'm sure that we'll chase all of that out, and we'll have the clouds and the rain by the time you get here this weekend. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. That'll make you feel right at home here, won't it? You, you spent a year working here. You know about that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, I mean, we, we've had it... Uh, this is our time too, where we finally get some rain and, and uh, cold. It's actually gone down into the high forties uh, the last two nights. Well, well, we would take that, Brian. Uh, we're not. We <laughs> yeah, don't feel know, too bad for you. you. We know. Well, a lot I, of the I, players. I probably headed headed down that way i know if we have something in common brian we both have uh, worked with jeff rimmer i know he's down there somewhere and, and i just wanted to bring up it's his final year uh broadcasting as you know and he's been around this, this sport for almost five decades and this last stretch run is going to be uh, fast and furious for rimmer and uh just want to sh- if you could share a thought about uh working with him i mean i've enjoyed it he's such a pro and, and i know you got to enjoy it here and just to speak to him and, and what your time was like with Jeff? Uh, uh, he, he's great. We all know him so well. And so the fact that you said five decades, Jody, he's just bristling right now, which means he must have started when he was six years old, right? <laughs> yeah, <So>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he is a consummate pro. Um, he's, he's so good with people, you know, and he has so many people that he knows around the league and so much of what we do and the information we get is from, is from talking to people around the league, just like you you guys are, you know, with me right now and vice versa. We exchange information. We, we talk about our teams and what's going on. And it's, it's a big part of what we do. So you have to have relationships and Jeff's always been terrific about that. He's a terrific broadcaster. Um, always really good about, you know, you know, being selfless when it comes to, you know, the on air stuff, there's, Things that, you know, both guys want to say, right? Play-by-play guys want to, and we want to as analysts, and the game goes so fast sometimes. It's a very intricate uh, situation, uh, and people don't uh, understand exactly how it works. But uh, Jeff's always been great. He's been a great friend. Uh, well, I've known him since, I think, 1977 in Montreal. So uh, we've been friends for a, for a long time, and I bought him a lot of dinners and a lot of lunch, just like you guys have. <laughs> I was going to say that. That's something he's known for, is not <laughs> jumping to get the wallet. I wanted to ask you on that note, how did you get into broadcasting? Uh, well, uh, after I retired as a player, I got hurt, um, and so I was done. So I was out of the NHL. I was out of hockey for about three years. And so I re- worked in the real world at a couple of different jobs. Um, I was working at Merrill Lynch as a financial consultant, and I heard that the, the uh, uh, Los Angeles Kings, I was still living in L.A., uh, they were going to split the radio and TV. They would had simulcasts for years and years with Bob Miller and Nick Nixon, and they were going to split. And uh, so I thought, well, there's there should be an opening there on radio maybe. I knew Jimmy Fox was going to do TV with Bob Miller. Nick Nixon was going to go back to play-by-play on radio. And uh, so I called, and I said, hey, I'm interested if you're you're looking for it because I wanted to get back into the game. I I really missed it. It's what what I've known my entire life. And uh, I, I really, you know, had a hunger to get back into the game after being out of it completely for those three years or so. Uh, and so they said, okay, actually, the first games I did were actually in the playoffs the year. What was that, 1990-91? Uh, 
Uh, and then, you know, they went, uh, I think it was only the first round, but at any rate, uh, you know, I, I got a deal with them, uh, um, to do radio, uh, for, uh, the next four years. And then a uh, year three and year four of, of that, the start of year three, I got a call out of the blue. This is 1993. Um, and that was the first year of the SPN two. First year they went on the air. And one of the first things they bought into was NASCAR and the national hockey league. And so I get this call out of the blue saying, Hey, uh, how would you like to, you know, audition for some games to do, uh, uh, on TV? And I'm looking at my phone going, uh, sure. <laughs> so, you know, they flew me, flew me all the way out to Bristol, Connecticut from LA. I sat down with the late Tom Mees and we just, you know, watched a bit of a game and there were a couple of bosses literally, you know, leaning on their elbows, watching us and listening to us doing this game. This was in, I think August, late August, to start that 93-94 season. We're talking with Brian Engblom of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll come back and get a scouting report on that Lightning team as the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank continues here on 97.1 The Fan. If you don't like listening to Morning Juice, Bobby Carpenter's man nipples will punch you in the face. For real. You want to fight, do you? Weekdays from 6 to 9. The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. We're talking with Brian Engblom. He's a TV analyst for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, tell us about this Tampa team right now. Uh, as you said, they're in New York, so there, there's some uh, action that they're going to go through before they get here to Columbus on Saturday. But this is a team, it's not the Stanley Cup team anymore, but it's a team right now coming into action today is in third place in the Atlantic Division. That's a playoff spot. But nothing is guaranteed so much for this Tampa team as it has been for the last couple of years is that fair to say oh absolutely yeah uh the evolution has you know been painful right um it, it is the ask the chicago blackhawks the la kings you know the teams that have won a couple of times in a fairly short you know period of time just in the last you know decade or so um and yeah the evolution salary cap they've lost some really really key players and because of that, it's difficult to keep replacing them. And, and it's shown. Um, so that's just what happens, right? You know, the, the organization does the best they can, uh, to keep replacing guys and the core players are still here. The core players have earned their money. The guys that, that left have earned their money. And that was, you know, some of the biggest things. Um, I would say like Ryan McDonough is one of the biggest losses. Uh, that wasn't so much. Uh, you know, he, he was already, I think, on contract. It's just that they had to make really tough decisions. He's been a big loss on defense for sure. But, you know, even, even the Coleman's and the Yanni Gords and guys like that, that were instrumental, you know, third line guys, whatever, just were so clutch, uh, in, you know, in playoffs and made such a huge difference. They earned their, you know, in new paychecks. And impossible, as we all know, uh, to keep those guys. So you keep the process going, and uh, it's been difficult this year. They have, they had, they changed some of the things and how they are playing defensively. We all know it's like a copycat league in many ways, right? So some of the things that Vegas was doing in their own zone, the Lightning have tried to adapt. Um, and it was downright painful. Um, the, the first month and a half defensively, oh my goodness. I mean, leaky, uh, defensively would be kind to them in some games for sure. 
uh, unlike them. They've always been, you know, go through stretches where they'd be a little loose and Vasilevsky make up the difference. Well, Vasi missed the first 20 games of the year because of the procedure on his back. And so he has to come back after 20 games and get, you know, into the rhythm of things and get going. And, um, you know, I think he's back now, but, you know, he's just had a break as well. So he'll be like the rest of the players trying to get some rhythm back into his game. He was playing really well um, at the end when everything finished. He won his last three games in, what, six of his last seven. The Lightning were on, were on a pretty good heater at the end here. They, they'd won. They were... Uh, what eight and one in their last nine games, right? And Vasilevsky was seven and one. So he's since Vasilevsky came back, he's played twenty six of a possible thirty games, uh, and that you knew was going to happen. Now the other guys like Jonas Johansson, he did a, a fine job. You know, new to the organization this year, uh, the bo- goaltending wasn't the reason that they were losing, you know, too many games early on. They made the changes in their own zone, and it was painful. Like, they made a lot of mistakes. The coverages, the confusion, uh, just whatever. Um, (laughs) They had trouble explaining it. But it was far from smooth for, I'd say, a month and a half. Then it started to get better, and then still you're losing some games. But they really started getting the hang of it. And Vassy started coming around. So things started to click here right at the end, right before. And those last eight or nine games really started to, to show it. So what are they going to be like, you know, coming out of the break here? Everybody will be a little rusty, but they are well aware that they have to hit the ground running and they have to win a lot of hockey games in order to, you know, just get in the playoffs and then see what happens from there. Do you feel like that um, culture, I mean, it seems like from afar it's taken a little bit of a turn, but do you feel like that culture is still there? I mean, you got you got Point Kucherov, of course, Stamkos, and Hedman there. Um, do they demand that excellence from that from the team and the, the, the new guys and Sorelli, too, that are, that are part of this? Yeah, you bet, Jody. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there. Everybody wants to win. Everybody, every team wants to win. Every individual player that's never won a cup uh, wants to win. I've been saying this since the seventies because I got a chance to feel it. But when you win, you want it even more. It's not that you want it less. It's not, you know, like, Oh, well, I want one. I don't really care anymore. You get that taste in your mouth and it never goes away. So that drive and also the understanding of what it took to win that you can talk till you're blue in the face. But when you've actually won and you're in that culture, it's a very different thing. It's an osmosis thing for new players coming in. You just get a feel in the locker room. So you, you know, you've been around, you've been in those rooms, you've been around guys that have won. You can see literally, you, you get a feeling from them, right? And you get a feeling from a team about what it's like in clutch situations. How do you handle yourself? What's the environment like? What you do when you lose? That's the big key. Uh, what you do when you win is important, but how do you handle it when you're losing in the series? You know, every game is so important. You can be up three games to one. You lose that one game and you're like, okay, well, you know, you're sort of afraid all the time. How do you handle that balance? And, and once you've been through it, now you have that experience in your back pocket and you know how to respond individually and, and uh, as a team, help the team get through it. What's really, really important important in situations you have to manage the game 
I, I think one of the great lines I've heard this year was from Marty St. Louis. It reminded me of stuff we used to say. Um, I, I asked him a question about what do you say to your players? Like, I think he's doing a real nice job on a young team, you know, about giving them confidence. He said, I tell them, play the game in front of you. You can't always play your game. In other words, we sure we want to play our game, you know, for each team, whatever that is, you know, we, how many times have we heard that over the years? I mean, I roll my eyes after a while, right? You guys probably do. We just got to play our game. You hear that a thousand times a year. It's impossible to do that every game for 82 impossible. And that's, ignorance if you don't play the game in front of you. And that's when Marty said that a couple of months ago, it just smacked me up the side of the head. We used to say that in Montreal in our cup teams that won four in a row. I was there for, for two plus. And that was what happens. You know when you're lousy, when your horse bleeps on nights as a team, you can't make two passes in a row. You're off. Well, find a way to win. That's what Marty is saying. Play the game in front of you. And if you start keep bitching about the same things all the time, you're really missing the boat. Like if you have to grind and dump the puck out, like this annoys me about every team in the league and about the lingo. I think players are really confused. And some teams are really confused because they don't play the game in front of them because everything is about the puck, the puck, the puck, puck management, puck management. That's another one. Like I want to gag. I get the game. I do. I want to gag when I hear that. Sometimes off the glass and out to that is puck management because you're running around in your own zone so badly. You have no idea what you're doing for those couple of shifts. Control the situation. The, the, the good teams still do that often enough, but I see 90, 95% of the teams are so intent, so brainwashed by puck management and what the systems are that I swear, I've said this to a couple of hockey execs just over the last couple of weeks, that uh, hockey sense is down 50%. From in, in my, my my observation, hockey sense is down. It's system, system. Players are being beaten over the head, especially for defensemen. Because you know, I look at that a lot. And when you get in your own zone, who you're looking at most of the time is your defenseman. What are you doing? How are you getting the puck? And whatever. They're going through the checklist in their head. I've seen guys on the Lightning because I see them every day. I watch games around the league and go, that guy is confused about what's really important. And reads of what's coming at them and everything, holy mackerel. Those are, they're so worried about the system. The hockey sense, I think, is down 50%. And I blame coaches for that. Well, that is uh, <clears throat> sounds like it could be a coach. I love it. Yeah, Got me fired up. I mean, those are great <laughs> points, Brian. I mean, it's 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 accurate to the point of yeah. You, sometimes, you know, you got to step back and look as a player and get in those shoes. And and it's great that Marty said that to you and that snapped you back there because um, you know you, sometimes you you do see things kind of just drift along the same cycle and hear the same thing. And when broadcasters get into that mode, but that's a that's a yeah. a great way to put it. Well, Brian, thank you very much. That is a very in-depth scouting report. We're, that's going to make Jody and my job 
very easy yeah. for Saturday. So thank you. It's always, always great to talk to you and uh, appreciate the time. All right, guys. Thanks very much for having me. All right. See that, that is Brian Engblom. He is the TV analyst for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll be back with more of the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. This promo is brought to you by Common Man and Timmy Hall's Ping Pong Game. The Fan. Well, the Blue Jackets are back at Nationwide Arena on Saturday night. They'll take on the Tampa Bay Lightning at 7 o'clock. You can get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com right now. I'm Bob McElligot, Jody Shelley. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, which is being presented by First Merchants Bank. We're joined by right now by Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey. You can find him on X at Overtime Scott B. And uh, let's get some uh, league notes here. Scotty, first of all, great to talk to you again, man. I know. Look, you know, you don't write, you don't call. Listen, my feelings aren't, I, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be with you guys again. It's been a long time, so I appreciate it. When I texted last night, I was expecting to get the new phone. Who dis? <laughs> no, I keep the same phone. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter uh, uh, who my employers are. It doesn't matter whether the uh, thrashers leave town or not. I still keep the same old phone number here in Atlanta. Well, that is good. Hey, uh, Jody and I were talking earlier in the show about the All-Star Weekend and what uh, great festivities went on in Toronto and how that's going to go away for a little while because of some different events that the National Hockey League is going to put on, the the Four Nations Tournament, uh, going back to the Olympics. How happy are you as a guy that just loves this game that, uh, first of all, the NHL is going back to the Olympics and, and that they're coming up with some new ideas here? Yeah, you know, and it's funny, I was just got done, uh, I haven't posted it yet, but I've been working on, you know, sort of my shadow rosters for the uh, Four Nations face-off uh, a year from now, which will take the place of All-Star with Finland, Sweden, Canada, and the U.S. playing in a, um, in a Four Nations best-on-best tournament. Uh, and I was a bit skeptical at the beginning when they were talking about this. And um, But I must admit, when I see the format, and coupled with the announcement at All-Star Weekend in Toronto that the NHL will be going back to the Olympics in 2026 and again confirmed to go in 2030, um, first time true best-on-best hockey since 2014 in Sochi, a tournament I happened to cover, um, it, it is, it's wildly exciting. And, and we can go down the rabbit hole on you know why it's taken so long. And, and listen, I, the NHL's view on international hockey and certainly the owner's uh, view of the Olympics has, has not been wholeheartedly in favor of it over the years, but I really think it's important. And I, I think you, you really understand how important it's going to be when you hear guys like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and this whole generation of the NHL's new, um, uh, you know, leaders, the face of the NHL right now, they've never had this opportunity and that I, I just know that it is really is critically important to them. It's important for, you know, whether you're Sebastian Aho from Finland or, um, you know, whoever you are to put on your country's Jersey and to play the very best in this game. Uh, some of my favorite moments have been Olympic tournament coverage. I'm lucky I've covered three of them. You know, I was sitting in the middle of the stands in Vancouver when Sidney Crosby scored the golden goal in 2010. And there really isn't anything like it. So it is, I think, a terrific step forward for the NHL and the NHLPA. And it does sound like they've ironed out a lot of the 
problems that had persisted in the past, which insurance and travel and even getting, you know, access to images, which the IOC has been really prickly about over the years. It does sound like there's some thawing on that front. So really, I think a, a brand new, um, you know, a new slate really for the NHL and international hockey and best on best hockey. And I, I can't help but think it won't grow the game exponentially moving forward. It's amazing, right, Scott, the details that go into this. You talk about insurance, even imaging. I mean, things we don't think about. But now that you, you're talking about your ghost lineup, I mean, I, that's it's one of my favorite parts is seeing, you know, what are we, a year out uh, from the World, uh, the, the Four Nations Tournament. And, yeah, that's what we're starting to do. Who's got the best team? And, um, and, and the memories from those events. When you talk to the athletes, um, you know, last night I was with Mark Parrish on the NHL Network, and he was reliving winning silver, and it was the he was explaining how terrible it was. He's like, bronze gets to cheer because they just won bronze, gold gets to cheer because they just won gold, and we stand there with nothing. And you know, he was reliving line mates, teammates, moments, and uh, it really brought me back to think, yeah, this this is what we've been missing. But I think about the break that's been had, the fresh uh, superstars that are now in the league. And you're right, this is going to be completely fresh and new uh, for all these kids that, that watched it the last time the NHL was at the Olympics. Yeah, well, and I think what makes the Four Nations face off even more important now, and and again, I, I was pretty skeptical of it because. We hadn't had confirmation that the Olympics were a go. And it just, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But to me, now that you know that the uh, NHL will be in Milan in 2026, next year for those four nations that will compete in the, in the, the, the mini tournament, if you will, that's a real litmus test for, uh, for not proving not just which players deserve to be on that Olympic team, but which teams are really at the forefront. And I, and with all due respect, I, don't, I can't imagine any scenario where Russia plays in, in 2026, given the invasion of Ukraine. Maybe it changes between now and then. But let's take the Russians out of the mix. Those four nations that are going to play next year, Finland, Sweden, Canada, and the U.S., they're the best hockey nations in the world right now. And I got to tell you, I was going through that U.S. shadow roster the tables have turned, and, and maybe it's only slightly, maybe it's only degrees, but I don't see any way that people don't look at those rosters and, and have the Americans um, at least as slight favorites and maybe heavy favorites. We're talking with Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey. Scott, it was uh, when did this come out? Yesterday, I think, that Gary Bettman said that there will be some kind of statement about the Arizona Coyotes in the next couple of weeks. Some people are speculating it could come as early as uh, this weekend, maybe, but... This situation, look, the Coyotes have been, we've had similar discussions about the Arizona Coyotes for two decades. Uh, They're still there. Are they going to stay there? Are they going to leave? Um, You know, I saw some speculation where, um, you know, they could maybe, maybe somebody else buys them and keeps them in Arizona. Maybe they find finally a site where they can put up a building. Or then, of course, the other option would be that they're not there anymore and they move somewhere else. You've been watching this for those two decades, Scott. What do you see happening here? Yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball. I wish I had a dollar for every time I have said, yep, the Coyotes are moving or what, you know, it, it, it really has been, you know, quite the saga. And I'm, you know, I covered a playoff series, Detroit at Arizona, 
back in uh, 97, 97 or 98 was one of the run years for the Red Wings. In that old arena downtown in, in uh, Phoenix, you couldn't see the puck at one end of the ice. It's, it's crazy that it happened that way. Of course, here we are, you know, 25 years later, they're playing in a college arena with, you know, with 4,000 people or whatever it is. And, and, and I thought Marty Walsh, the head of the NHLPA, was very blunt in his criticism of the uh, Coyote situation and how, um, basically, how they haven't lived up to their end of the bargain in terms of, you know, how the players are treated. And, and you know, it's not an NHL facility. So it, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is what it is. And it can't go on forever. And Gary Bettman has, has acknowledged that. I, I just, I don't see how, uh, you know, this, this is an organization that is still scrambling to find a plot of land on which to build this long-awaited new arena, the home forever and ever um, for this franchise. Uh, certainly since they, it was, you know, and, and listen, long before they left Glendale, you knew that that was not a long-term uh, solution. Wrong part of the Valley, you know, terrible relationship with the municipality there, all those things. I don't see how it gets done in a time that allows this league to say, yes, we can hang on for another, because what's the timeline? Five, six, seven years to, you know, from putting a shovel in a, in the ground, once you actually identify a, a plot of land for when you can actually host NHL games. Um, I, I do think, you know, the, the recent announcement, the formal announcement that uh, Salt Lake City um, uh, would love to have an expansion team, would love to have an NHL team. Um, they basically have an NHL ready-made uh, facility that a team could move into. Um, I think the expansion, you know, expansion is, is attractive to the owners because of the expansion fees, obviously. Um, I don't know that it's wise to be run rushing beyond the 32 teams that now exist, especially when you have a situation in Arizona that you do. So, you know, I, I, I'm leaning towards finally, you know, Gary Bettman saying, listen, we we're at a runway here and there are no options that make sense for this to be viable, you know, in a time frame that makes sense for the league and the players and, um, and, and that uh, Salt Lake city does appear to be a logical ready-made place to move that team. So if I had to lean one way, of course, I've been leaning all kinds of ways on this whole Arizona Coyotes situation for, for a long, long time. Uh, so, But I, I think right now we do appear to be finally reaching the, the, the end, you know, that proverbial land uh, line in the sand where, where the league's going to have to say, no, you know, this is it. We can't, we've done all we can here. I think you could argue you've done more than maybe what you should have done in terms of the timing, um, but it is time to move on. I, I just don't, I can't see that the timing would allow for a resolution keep that team in Arizona, but I will admit I've been wrong on Coyotes many times before. This may be yet another one. Well, Scotty, it's always great to catch up with you. It's been too long, my friend. Thank you for making time for us today, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. Anytime. You know my number never changes. You can call anytime. (laughs) I'm going to do that. Be careful. I'm going to do it. (laughs) That is Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey. You can find him on X at 
Overtime Scott B. Well, again, the Blue Jackets are back in action on Saturday night, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. They'll take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then it's off to Ottawa, and then to the West Coast, uh, the California trip. So this is your one chance to see the Blue Jackets. It's been a long time since there's been a home game, and you've got this one chance, and then you've got to wait again. So make sure you get to Nationwide Arena on Saturday night. We'd like to thank our guests, Brian Engblom from the Tampa Bay Lightning and Scott Burnside for being on the show tonight. That going to do it for this edition of the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot. Thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan. All your favorite fan shows are available when you want them. Head to 971thefan.com and hit that subscribe button. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus.